0: Hello and welcome to In Unison, the podcast for choral conductors, composers, and choristers, where we interview members of our choral community to talk about new music new and upcoming performances
1: and discuss the interpersonal and social dynamics of choral organizations in the san francisco bay area and
0: beyond beyond, beyond. we are your hosts i am zayn fiala artistic director of the international orange chorale of san francisco
1: and i'm giacomo Di Grigoli, a tenor in iocsf the golden gate men's chorus and the san francisco symphony chorus and this is
2: in unison, in
1: unison. hey everyone On today's episode of In Unison, we're going to switch things up a bit. This week marks a time of remembrance for me of someone who was quite formative and special, not just in my musical life, but in my life in general. That person was my high school choir teacher, Grace Hogar Kerr.
0: You might be wondering, why is this the subject of an episode of In Unison? Why focus on the story of just one high school teacher's impact? Well, so far on this podcast, we've mostly chatted with community and professional choirs. But many of us probably began our choral singing journey when we were much younger. Well, there's often a distinct reason many of us start and continue to sing throughout our lives, and it's because we've been inspired by someone like Grace.
1: Singing in choirs is about more than just expressing ourselves through song. It's about the communities we form with each other, often forging relationships that last a lifetime. So today, we wanted to take a moment to remember the folks like Grace, who instilled in many of us that first literal inspiration to sing.
0: We're hoping you'll leave today's episode with a renewed sense of appreciation, not just for the power of choral arts to bring people together for a lifetime, but also for the people who have inspired us all along the way. From 1989 to 2003, Grace led the 7th through 12th grade choirs at Valley Stream North High School on suburban Long Island, New York. Through her 15 years of teaching, Grace gave hundreds of students their first experiences singing in choirs, trained young voices for musical theater, and prepared them for adjudicated programs like NISMA, All-County, and All-State choirs. Practically out of a fairy tale, Grace met and fell in love with the school's band director, Bill Kerr. They soon married, and Grace went on to start her own family, giving birth to her son Tim in 2001. In 2003, Grace retired from teaching to focus on raising Tim, but remained on Long Island and became involved in the PTA. Teaching was more than a job for Grace. She went above and beyond her duties as a teacher to mentor and nurture the talents, hearts, and minds of so many of her students, no matter what they were going through.
1: After I graduated from high school, many of my classmates and I lost touch, but Grace's lessons stuck with us as we navigated adult life. And then, four years ago, many of us were brought back together under unfortunate circumstances. At the young age of 52, Grace had been diagnosed with cancer, and in 2018 she passed away. To show our love and support, her family and many of Grace's former students, friends, and colleagues got together to form what we called Team Grace, a support network that eventually also became a pickup choir of sorts, culminating in a performance for Grace in 2017. To help tell Grace's story, today we're chatting with two of Grace's former students who are also my dear high school choir friends that I got the opportunity to reconnect with three years ago, Barbara Maurer Rainier and Danielle Esposito. Together we'll share a bit more about what Grace meant to us all and how her spirit continues to shine through our lives to this day. So joining me today, I've got two friends who are joining Zane and I today. Uh, we've got Barbara Maurer-Rainier. Am I pronouncing your, your last name correctly? Am I just butchering that. Perfect. Uh, and Barbara, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Sure. Um, I am a choir teacher in a middle school in uh, Baldwin, Long Island, New York. And I've um, been doing that for 21 years now. Um, I have two daughters. I'm married to uh, my husband's name is Ross. I'm gonna sing in a band. I used to sing in a band until COVID hit. Um, I played in a pipe band. It's <laughs> a little bizarre fact about me. Uh, and and Grace, is, Grace has made such an impact in my life. Uh, it's, I can't even measure it. So I'm happy to be here.
1: Thank you. And we also have joining us today my, our dear friend, Danielle Esposito. Danielle, tell us a little bit about you.
4: Um, I am a teacher, I've ran some restaurants, I had a 19-month-old baby girl um, who surprised me at 40, <laughs> um, and music has been a huge part of my life, my whole life, whether it's just singing or listening or, um, you know, performing in plays and shows and it's been quite a while since I've done anything like that, but I have been in some bands in the past few years, and my husband is a musician as well. So um, music is huge in our house. We have guitars everywhere, and I don't know random random instruments lying around, and um, definitely hoping to help our daughter, you know, pursue a love for music as well. And Grace had a huge part of that for sure.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think um, to set the stage a little bit for everyone who's listening, um, the three of us all went to school on Long Island. Gosh, in the early to mid-90s, I think we all graduated at some point within there. Um, I might be a few years older. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but um, but we all, <laughs> we all intersected um, with Grace right around that time. And so maybe uh, in your own words, and maybe to let people know, um, who was Grace Kerr? And who was she to you specifically?
3: I was fortunate enough to know Grace from, I guess, when we were 12 in seventh grade um, up until, I guess, college, somewhere in the college years. And then I kind of lost, lost track a little bit. But then when I started working in Baldwin, um, it happened to be the, the school district that she lived in. So, um, her son was in my school. So that just brought her right back into my life, like where she totally needed to be. And, um, so I have, you know, like when, when I was in school with her, she was this huge role model and, um, you know, she was funny and sarcastic and she was like our, our second mom, you know, we lived in that choir room and, um, Wanted to go to rehearsals after school and all the lessons during the day. And she was just the coolest person, you know, compared to our orchestra teacher.
4: <laughs> <laughs> See, this part might need to be edited out now <laughs> Why did this yeah.
1: Um Oh, I, I, you, we played in that orchestra together. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: yes, we did. yes, we did. But she was just, she was just amazing. She, um, Everybody loved her, you know, didn't matter whether you were a music nerd or, you know, um, an athlete or a cheerleader or failing or, you know, it's like it, it just didn't matter what type of student you were, like what type of person you were. Everyone loved her. And um, and she loved everybody. You know, she gave she gave her all. Now looking back and seeing what she did, um, you know, as a teacher and as a mom and, Looking back at her around the same age, it's just she gave so much of herself. She was at the rehearsals for musicals and the outdoor concerts and and even just like writing, you know, to former students and keeping in touch and um you know that was that was what I was blessed to to find when I was working in Baldwin. Um, I would see her at every concert. Um, I had my, I had her in the audience. It was like this big circle of of life. And it was, you know, like here coming out of the concert and seeing her and, and Bill and, you know, sometimes Grace's family, sometimes Bill's family was there, parents and siblings and, and hearing her compliment me as a director, it was just, you know, it was mind blowing. But then having me over for dinner and just spending time with her and having these conversations. She just became, you know, um, a very dear friend. So aside from all of the school stuff, I was really blessed to know her in, you know,
4: as an adult.
1: Danielle, how about for you?
4: Um, for me, Greece was kind of like, um, she was a mentor. She was a teacher. She was my second mom. She, she, I had a really colorful childhood and adolescence and she really guided me through that. Um, I mean, we had her for junior high and high school in the same school. So it was seven to 12th grade. So it's six years in six years, you really, you know, you know, somebody in and out and up and down and, uh, and she, you know, she would call me on my shit, <laughs> um, but but, she was the reason I stayed in school. I mean, she was the reason I graduated. She was the reason that I never gave up. She was the reason, you know, I wanted to go to school. If I cut school, I didn't cut chorus. If I was going to be anywhere, it was going to be in chorus, um, she would argue with me when I would have auditions or if I was in a play I'd be like, that's not my job. I have too much going on. I can't help you. And then the <laughs> next day, you know, she'd have the music out and have learned the song and have a recording for me. Like it would just be I'm like, come on, you know, you could do, you know, whatever. Like she just, <laughs> she would never like leave me hanging, even though she said she would, you know? Um, yeah. She just, she really, she was a really big influence during that time. Um, and, I was looking through these old letters and she, you know, she, we had both had birthdays in August. So throughout high school over the summer, she would send me birthday cards. Um, and it was the big joke, like, Oh, you know, she was my mom and this and that. And then after, after high school, I have all these letters. She wrote me in college. Um, I was showing Barbara today, all the letters in that first year, she would write and make sure you say head of Barbara for me. And, um, (laughs) and then um you know we kept in touch after that i have all these i'm going to actually try and put them together for tim at some point um but all these cards and letters about her pregnancy and how she was feeling during that time and being excited to be a mom and then she would send me pictures of like tim when he was you know a baby and then all as he was growing up and you know and there was there was a time where we we lost contact as well for a few years and then i remember finding her when i lived in brazil Um, Through email, and um, and we got back right back in touch, and um, you know throughout that time I I had gone to their house when Tim was a baby, and then I think I had moved away, and um, it was just it was a really special relationship that we had, and um, she you know I'll share some of the letters with you guys later, but um, she definitely it was reciprocated in a lot of ways, even though we lost contact and then we got back in touch. It was like, as if no time had passed. And, and that was really amazing. You know, she, she saved me then. And, you know, with everything that happened with the funeral, it was another very confusing time. And she had put together her own funeral and she had, told her sister she picked a song that she thought was in my range that she wanted me to sing and told Bill and Bill emailed me and asked me if it was something I'd want to do. And it was like the most special, meaningful thing ever for me. You know, I had been traveling and I was just so all over the place and just come back and didn't know what I was doing with myself. And for somebody from all that time ago to have felt like, I made some kind of impact on them to ask that of me was like I, it, it again just reminded me of you know a really special relationship and that you can have an impact on people and sometimes they they don't even know it you know the effect of it so yeah so she's definitely a big part of my story
1: what are some of your uh, favorite memories with, with Grace? When you think back on that time, what are some of the things that stand out?
4: The best was when I got suspended in... I got suspended. It wasn't my fault. Um, my senior year, <laughs> I really wasn't... I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. It was my <laughs> junior year. And um, I had... I had cut school to go on the senior trip because I was friends with all the seniors, but I had had my dad call in and say, I wasn't coming in that day. And I thought that was okay. Cause he said it was okay. And it wasn't. Um, and so they called, you know, they called it in and, uh, and she was good friends with, um, what was the assistant principal? Thornton?
3: Thornton.
4: Thornton. She was good friends with him. And I was supposed to sing at, The talent show that next week. And if you get suspended, you weren't allowed to sing at the next performance, or maybe it was the outdoor concert. So she actually spoke to him for me on my behalf, kind of telling me, but not telling me that, like, if you go and apologize to him, maybe he'll let you still perform. Because it was like the only thing I had was performing. And I groveled, (laughs) like, I didn't mean it. I didn't know I was doing anything wrong, you know, whatever. And he completely let me perform so the next outdoor concert she insisted that i sing i will survive and call him up (laughs) and so she made him come up so that i could tell him that i survived being suspended and it was just yeah those are kind of things that she did i mean kind of had to be there but <laughs> there
1: there are photos there's photo evidence yeah, of this that we'll be putting there. alongside this episode which is yeah, fantastic
4: yeah. we have
3: a very so, disco-y shirt on It was a
4: disco theme so yeah. there you go <laughs> it was like a 70s theme 60s and 70s so so yeah that was like she just she knew how to be funny and sarcastic and use her humor to everybody's advantage even his even my you know like in a way that it just came around to a point that we all just felt so comfortable in, in that presence, you know, it's a gift.
1: Barbara, how about you?
4: I was thinking
3: about this before and it's just, there's so many, but, um, we were doing Bye Bye Birdie. I I think you were gone at that point, Giacomo, right? And, um, so I was mama, I was, you know, Mama Peterson and, And I couldn't get like how to be old. (laughs) I couldn't get the voice and I couldn't get the, like the movement. So I remember, yeah. So I was getting like conflicting, conflicting, um, assistance from all these different people. So I, the first time I'm on the stage and I'm doing this old lady and it's all wrong. It's just all wrong. And all of the adults in the room just started like, you know, like snort laughing because they just they didn't know what the hell i was doing but it was like i was taking little bits of what everybody told me to do and trying to do it so i was so embarrassed and i i like ran into the girl's bathroom and i'm like just sitting on the floor pouting you know i'm 17 or whatever i don't know and she came in and she's like what the hell was that (laughs) 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 what the hell was that <laughs> you know, and she's just like, "Get up, come on, you know, get up, go do your old lady." You know, I she probably was throwing out the, the Long Island accent right. too. Um, you know, <laughs> all the Long Island, you know, old lady thing, and and whatever. it's just like her humor just helped me just <laughs> not take myself seriously anymore. And I was like, all right, this I- is just fun. Let me just relax because <laughs> I was very serious.
1: Oh, I love it. I have to say, um, one of my uh, one of my favorite or earliest memories of Grace also involves just a sense of irreverence. I remember that literally, literally irreverence because I remember um, Grace is one of how many daughters? She's one of four. She's one of four, and she was a preacher's daughter. Yep. And she was the rebel, and I always, I, I just, I always thought it was hilarious when she would describe herself as being this rebellious kid. I was like, you're <laughs> a chorus teacher. How, how rebellious right. could you possibly be? <laughs> But I mean, there was a, there was a spirit or yeah, Zane is nodding his head. He's like, I don't know, pretty, rebellious. <laughs> uh, but it's true because I, one of the things that I remember, um, she taught me and one of the lessons that I took away and one of my earliest memories from her. I actually didn't come to officially being in choir until my sophomore year in high school. Because, she hadn't started until I was in eighth grade, but um, I was sort of trapped in this mindset, this mentality that was like, no, no, you're, gonna, you're first chair in orchestra, orchestra very, very serious, very serious, you're a very serious kid, you're, you study, you're very serious. Right. And, uh, and I really, really, really wanted, uh, you know, had been doing musical theater and had been singing and I loved it and it was such a passion and I just enjoyed it. And sadly, people, you know, other teachers, unfortunately, would say things like, oh, singing is for the dumb kids. You don't do that. That's just, who does singing? It's just really awful things to say. And Grace was the first person who really pulled me aside and said, you know what? You can do whatever you want. There are other people who are going to have whatever expectations they may have of you. They're going to say this. They're going to say that. Puh. And she did that thing that she does where she was, you know, brushing off her shoulders and her, you know, bean pulse, thin self would just be like, P. You know, whatever, shaking it off. And I I think of that lesson all the time in the way that she just shrugged off whatever it was that other people said you think you should do. And I think it was just that Grace sort of knew things about all of us that we didn't know about ourselves very early on, just saw things about us that was like, you're more special than you realize. And you're letting people tell you what your life is going to be. And you can't do that. And I thought that was just one of those fantastic lessons that has just stuck by me my whole life. And I'm sure that you all have lessons and things that are that you know Grace has taught you over the course of time. But that was one that really stuck out to me, and I remember that moment where she was like, "It doesn't matter. You're it, you, great. You'll get an F in music. Who cares? You'll be doing the thing that you love doing. You should do that." Um, what What are some things that stick out to you that to, that are just lessons you took away from from Grace?
3: I was thinking about you know what I was going to say today tonight, and what you just said is exactly what I kept coming back to, how she just knew how special we were, and she knew what was special about each one of us because she really cared, you know? I mean, I guess that's the benefit of having such a small school and having the same teacher for six years, and she just saw things in us that we didn't see in ourselves yet, and she just encouraged us to 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 go for it. I remember... I I had like this much confidence and she insisted that I do a solo and I was like, me, (laughs) Like you want me to do a solo? And, you know, and I think like some other, some other person was like, Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. And she's like, no, Barbara's doing it. And she made me do this solo and it was not a big deal. It was a short solo, but to me it was huge because it was the first time that somebody had really believed in me that I was the right one to do it. And she insisted, she was like, no, you're doing, this is for you. You know, no one else is going to do this. You're going to do this. I know you're going to do a great job. And I was, I had no confidence in myself, but she, she saw it all. And I mean that, you know, she just, she saw things in us, but um I also s- her, she was named, perfectly because she's the epitome of grace. She just, you know, she walked the walk and she talked the talk and she just people, everyone who was around her just couldn't help, but feel that, that grace and that warmth and that, you know, uh, students, parents that I became close with. um, It turns out a lot of them were friends with grace because of living in the same community. And, you know, just the things that they all had to say about her. It's just, it, did, it wasn't just as a teacher, it was a, as a human
4: being. She was just amazing. You know, I just wanted to add to that whole thing about her recognizing things in people. So I used to sing at a very young age, but I was very shy. And I would sit under the dining room table and sing. My mother would be like, All right, sing this song. And I would like crawl under the table and like sing for my family because I was just, very shy about that. Um, and, uh, and a funny thing, I forgot that Valerie was your cousin. Yes. So, so this girl was in our chorus and she was loud and loud and loud. And <laughs> you heard her above everybody. Um, and, uh, and Grace, and, and she was a year older, um, right? She was a year older, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess, you know, seventh and eighth grade, we kind of got to know each other, but Valerie was like the singer and whatever. And, and I was like the quiet person in the front row because I was short. And, uh, and in chorus, Grace assigned seats. And so I think it was eighth grade. So Valerie would have been in ninth grade. She put me next to her because, and we talked about this later on, because she knew the only way I was going to sing louder was if I had somebody next to me who was singing loud because I was not (laughs) going to find my voice any other way than to have something to be singing with, you know, and that, that was what completely helped me kind of get to that point where I got a little bit of confidence. I was still very like, Valerie was like the singer and I was still a little bit intimidated by her, but it totally brought me to a place of breathing and singing and being able to vocalize um, where I was at and, you know, That wouldn't have happened if she didn't make that call.
0: You know, um, oftentimes when schools are looking at budget constraints, one of the first things to go is music programs. And obviously it's clear from what we've heard from all three of you that, you know, Grace had a really strong impact on your lives, but not just in the world of making music together. And so I was wondering if each of you could take a moment and tell us about something that you learned from Grace in the music classroom that you then took into your lives, took forward, that has informed the way you are as a person. Something that you didn't get or couldn't have gotten from any other teacher. Basically, make an argument for why arts should not be the first thing cut
1: i got one right off the bat, which is one that has been taught to me many, many times. Listen louder than you sing.
0: Mm.
4: I think that the way that she built confidence and created a safe space for everybody um, was one of the most meaningful things about the experience because we would you wanted to walk past the chorus room and see if she was in there and had a minute to talk to you or, you know, sneak in for a quick second on your way to the bathroom and, and just say hi to Grace or um, that room, that space that she created in there, it was, it was our home away from home. If you were involved in music. Um, And we weren't just hanging out, doing nothing. We were in there learning and growing and, and singing and, And doing all that, but also being mentored by somebody who allowed us to have that time and space and and moment to hear us. And I think that that was, you can't get that in a math classroom. You can't get that in a, and you can. I'm not, that's not to say that there aren't other teachers that also provide that for their students. But in this particular, area, when it comes to the arts and, and making music together, there's something, it's a, it's a, it's an experience, you know, you have an experience together. When we were Carol of the Bells and we like sang it at that concert and we rocked it, I'll never forget that moment. We were, we were like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, you know, your voice is coming together and unifying and, and harmonizing. And I mean, that's, that's an experience that, you know, is created from having, having the opportunity to do that and having a mentor like that to guide you through that and, and create that is, it's, it's the perfect combination. It's like, I
3: always think of this little babe you're, you did
4: yeah. that one. Yes, that one too. That was like the epitome right there of like, oh my God, I felt that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I grew up in a gospel church and it was all about, you felt the music. It wasn't, you know, it was an experience. Whether you, And even today, I, when I talk to people who go to Jazz Fest, they're like, my favorite tent was the gospel tent. <laughs> I'm not even religious. I'm like, you don't have to be religious to, to feel that that's, that's a feeling, you know, that's a vibe. And she, she gave us that.
3: Well, I'm biased because it's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have a job if we got rid of music, but, um, what I learned and, you know, there are lots of different music programs out there. A lot of them are competition and award and, um, you know, awards based and, you know, the best choir and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, going to, to NISMA, um, you know, as a, as a choir, and we never did anything like that. Um, or very theory based, uh, lots of sight singing and lots of like, um, drilling, um, you know, information and knowledge. And, and I've, I've thought a lot about that versus what we got. And like you said, Danielle, it, It was, she gave us joy. Like when we were in that room, it was about the connections that we made. It was about, you know, singing together. It was about creating this beauty um, with our bodies and our voices and our souls and, and coming together. And, you know, not to say, like you said, sure, a math teacher could make us feel special or social studies, but I mean, I... I feel it. And this is what I try to pass on to my students. I just try to give them joy, especially right now. <laughs> I want them to come into my room and just just be able to let go and, and sing and, and feel like a team and feel like a community. And, you know, she did that and it was it didn't matter that we didn't go to competitions or learned you know the circle of fifths It like it didn't matter you know because she planted something in us that you know 25 30 years later here we are you know and that that's nobody else could have done that in my opinion
1: let's fast forward a little bit to um to a little bit of a darker time. It's a little bit of a sadder time. And um, I want to talk a little bit about Team Grace. And uh, for our listeners, Team Grace is the the name of the the sort of collective, the, the, all of us who got together when we heard some pretty dreadful news about um, Grace's health, uh, which ultimately sort of uh, wound up in her, uh, her demise, sadly. Um, but it was this very interesting rallying point, I think, for all of us, for as her past students, her family, her friends, her community, um, to sort of get together. Tell us a little bit about um, what you thought when you first heard the news and then when you th- heard about Team Grace.
3: Um, I, I was very close with a parent who was very close with Grace and very, very good friends. And she called me, the friend, and uh, at work and she said i just need to know if you know about grace and i said no like i had just seen her at a football game she was you know hanging out in the bleachers at the high school with bill and tim was there probably in the marching band or and uh i just seen her she was fine we had a nice conversation and um and she said I- I just, you know, I wanted to just tell you so it doesn't you don't hear it from somebody else, you know, that she was diagnosed with cancer. And and I just was like, you know, it was like the, the world stopped. People say that, but it was like everything just like, no, no, she doesn't. You know, like that can't be right. And then, um, I talked a little bit, and I hung up the phone, I thanked her for telling me, and I checked my email and and there was already a message from Grace saying, "You know i I need to tell you this, I, I want you to hear it from me." and um, you know, just uh, I, I just couldn't I couldn't believe it, you know, for somebody so amazing and beautiful and who did so much good everywhere she was, you know, for her to be dealing with that. And, um, you know, so I was, I think I was on the phone with Joni Alesovich, and, uh, and I kept saying, you know, later on with team grace, I kept saying she needs to have her like Mr. Holland's opus moment. You know, she needs to see, just how many people she influenced and how many people love her and so um we started just sending out messages and you know made a Facebook page and 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 spread you know and and everybody was so in and it was it was just amazing that was probably you know when I look back on my life that's that Having that, that concert for her, that, that Team Grace um, evening for her, you know, that we all did. That, that was probably one of the best things I've ever done as a as human being for somebody else. I, I don't know if you saw the look on her face. I mean, just when she turned around and saw everybody in that church that was there for her. It was just uh, it was wonderful. And I'm crying. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we're all getting a little misty. Danielle, maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, shifting from Team Grace in that concert to, to Grace's memorial, which, of course, she meticulously planned for herself and chose all of the music. Um, one of the pieces that she chose was a piece she asked you to sing. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. And we'll put it up on the website as well.
4: Um, yeah, so in her updates, she was keeping us updated and they were numbered. And in one of the updates, this song was actually on it. It was Hillary Weeks, um, and it's called "He'll Carry You," and um, it's a really beautiful and sad and amazing song. But um, she, what, you know, after she had decided to stop treatment and um, go into hospice the first thing that happened was everybody on Facebook was like, no Grace, don't give up Grace, no Grace, keep fighting Grace, and this and that. And I, it started to really bother me because I felt like that wasn't the right thing to say to her at that time. Um, so I, I wrote something on Facebook that I didn't realize they had seen. And it was something to the effect of, you know, when somebody says that they're, they're at peace with what's happening, that doesn't mean they're giving up they're 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 surrendering to it and they're and they're at peace they've made their peace with with the next phase and the next step, and we have to support that so telling her to keep fighting is maybe not what what she needs to hear right now you know she's 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 come to this conclusion that this is this is the best thing to do um, and I think bill actually used that in his eulogy because he felt like that was exactly, you know, I, I just, I felt so strongly that way about it. And I was hoping I wasn't offending anyone. I didn't put her name in it, but I, I, I had to say something. Cause I was just like, you guys need to stop, you know, continuing to tell her to fight. Like she, she's fought <laughs> as hard as she can. And, uh, so anyway, that, that week that she had decided to stop the treatment, um, Bill sent me an email and her sister had called me as well to ask me, to tell me, you know, she's a very organized person. You know how organized she is. And, um, you know, she always considered you her daughter and you always consider her your second mom. And
1: she, this is her sister, Sarah, who also helped organize, who was just mm-hmm. also an angel among humans yeah. as well. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Sarah and Bill both um, contacted me separately and asked me, you know, she she has put together um, her funeral and she has asked one of her former students, um, a male student to, I didn't know it was you, they never used your name, to perform a piece. And she's also, you know, she really thought long and hard about what would fit with your voice and has asked that you would sing this particular song that she thinks would be in your range. And if you're up for it, that's what she wants. And it was like a moment that, you know, pulled me back to why we're here. And it was what I needed, you know, I needed her back then and I needed her now. And she, and she did that for me again with that request.
1: It's amazing when you, um, when you bring that up, because the, the truth is that um, the, the piece that she asked me to sing, which was the simple song from Bernstein's Mass, which I think many of us know, it was the first song she ever taught me. And it was the first time she ever sat down and was like, okay, we're going to get you ready for NISMA now. This is very important. It's very important. You're going to learn the song. And what's amazing is that that gift has continued to keep giving my whole life. Because it was after Grace's passing that I finally got up the gumption to say, you know what? I think I've been doing this choral singing thing enough uh, and went and auditioned for the San Francisco Symphony. And you have to prepare a solo. And what other song was I going to sing except for that one yeah, yeah. from the very sort of first thing that I'd ever learned? I'm like, I got 30 years of experience. I, th- <laughs> I hope I can sing this, this song now. And, um, and it really was, it, she was very much in my heart during that time because I thought, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's going to be fine. But when you listen to the, to the lyric and the text, I mean, it, what a fitting piece for her, right, to just sing sing a song, sing a simple thing. It doesn't matter. Make it up. Just put your heart and soul into it. Put your back into it. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, and I always thought that that was just a really beautiful and fitting way to, like, I, I still think of her every time I see her that piece come on. And, um, yeah, I just think of the gift that she has given, not just then, but now, and that she continues to give us.
3: Well, I just have to say, um, you know, that, that memorial was difficult, very, very difficult. But sitting there and seeing the two of you and hearing the two of you was, it was amazing, you know, growing up with you guys and then seeing you two at that moment, it was just, it was very special for everybody sitting there as well, you know? So I think you, you all, you helped us all through that very difficult moment.
1: Well, I think what's beautiful and what's amazing is that um this this conversation is yet another one of her gifts because I feel like she knew something. She knew that these people were all going to be together in their each other's lives at some point in some way.
3: I just have one other thing if it's okay. Um, I was I remembered that I had done something with one of my choirs um right after she passed um for one of our spring concerts. I I had them sing this song, One Small Voice, and um, you know, the gist of it is one small voice can teach the world a song and, and make a difference. my sixth graders sing that and at the end I you know I rambled into the microphone that this was dedicated to her. I just wanted to thank you Giacomo for asking me to be a part of this because speaking of grace and speaking with all of you and reminiscing Um, about our time with her. Um, It really rekindled my flame as a music teacher. This year has been probably, not probably, has been the most difficult year for me um, in my career. Uh, At a time where I can't sing, really, with my students. There are no performances. There's no uh, team, community feeling. I can't reach them that way. Um, But being a part of this, it really made me see my value as a music teacher um, and realize that I can still be that light for them. I can still be their safe place, their happy place. I can still see what's special in them and let them know um, just how important and wonderful they are.
1: Love you all, love you guys. Thank you so much for doing this.
3: Thank you so much for doing this and including us. Yeah, for sure.
1: Grace gave us so many gifts over the years and at her memorial, we were all presented with her final gift. Grace had spent her last month's recording a CD of spirituals to remind us to find beauty and love in the world. I can't imagine a more fitting end to today's episode than to leave you with a bit of Grace's own voice. Here's Grace Kerr singing Amazing Grace. And yes, she certainly was.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the In Unison Podcast. If
1: you've got ideas for our podcast, please send us a message at ideas at inunisonpodcast.com. And who knows, maybe Chorus Dolores will ask us to talk about it during announcements.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In Unison is sustained, nourished, and fostered by you, our loyal and loving listeners. And don't forget to subscribe to In Unison on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at InUnisonPod.
1: And hey, if you like what you heard, tell a friend or a section mate.
0: Thanks again for tuning in. See you soon.
1: Merchandise design spuriously reviewed for nothing but personal taste by Chorus Dolores. Who knows we're still sight singing, but can we just fix the vowels in measure 42, please?
0: In Unison is produced and recorded by Mission Orange Studios. Our theme music is Mr. Puffy, written by Avi Bortnik, arranged by Paul Kim and performed by the Danish vocal jazz ensemble Dynamic on their debut album, This Is Dynamic. Special thanks to Paul Kim for permission. Be sure to check them out at www.dynamicjazz.dk.